This is KMTT. This is Ezra Bik. This is the Shur on Pashat HaShavua. This week's Pasha is Pashat Pekudei. In most years, Vayakal and Pekudei come together. And when they do come together, so there's like a standard, a standard Devar uh, Torah, a standard Sicha. Uh, almost, um, it's impossible not to, if you read it in Shul, you have to speak about it in Shul, not to refer to the fact that Vayaka Pekudei is very repetitive. Basically, it's repeating everything we learned in Pashat Teruma and Pashat Tetzavah. And the difference is that in Pashat Teruma and Pashat Tetzavah, it's the command what to do. And in Pashat Vayakel and Pashat Pekudei, it's the, it's the doing. It's the building the Mishkan based on the instructions given in uh, Teruma and Tetzavah. Now, if it had been one line, which would have been perfectly okay, that would have been fine, and it would have been a necessary pasuk, it would be unnecessary. There's obviously an importance to saying they were commanded to do it, and two, that they did it. Because it's not just a mitzvah l'dobot, it's not just, you know, you commanded to do Shabbat, and many, many times we were Shomer Shabbat. This is, it's a historical event, the, 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 the Torah is describing among other things, the history, the success in coming out of Mitzrayim, coming to Matan Torah and building a Mishkan and then going to Eretz Yisrael. So the Torah could have said, look, these are the very complicated instructions for, for making the Mishkan and then the Jews did it. Very important to say that. What, what interests us is the fact that it's two whole parashiot long and, and it doesn't say they did it. It says they did, told to do A, we did A. Told to make a menorah, we made a menorah. Told to make a shulchan, they did a shulchan, uh, and that's what elicits the uh, the uh, astonishment because it's totally, totally unnecessary and doesn't tell us anything at all. So there are certain mefarshim who will scour Pashat Vayakal and to find the differences, small hinted between what's described in these two parshiot and uh, and earlier. And uh, try to understand why that's done. And that can be done, and it has certain definitely has a lot of relevance. And Siv is an expert in that. There are others, but that doesn't really justify the the repetition of the entire thing. So the answer that's usually given, and, and in, in one way or another, you can develop it at length, is that yeah, the Torah is simply coming by the repetition, by the by the length of the repetition, is coming to stress how important it is that they were commanded and that they also did it. In other words, just as important to say they did it, it's to equalize. It's equally important down to the very last uh, detail that they did it all. The Torah also says that everyone did it, there was a lot of enthusiasm, but part of that is, 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 is accomplished by saying they did every single detail individually without failure at all. Another way to say that, and to say it in an impressive manner, is not to say they did everything without fail, but that they did A, B, C, D, E, F, G without fail. If I was talking about Bayaka Pakute, that's what I would have talked about, and I probably would have been finished already. But this year we're reading Bayaka and Pakude separately. And that, although we should have perhaps noticed it anyhow, but that highlights even more a further, a further question. The difference between Bayakel and Pekude, not a hundred percent, the dividing line isn't exactly at the end of Bayakel, but looking a, 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 a bit from, from above, 
Vayakel is about how the Jews, Jewish people, and their representatives, and the special artisans, Betzalel, Ben Uri, how they did all the work necessary for the different utensils and structures that go into the Mishkan. And Pekude is about the actual construction of the Mishkan, not, not making a menorah, not making a shulchan, not making an aron, but how Moshe Rabbeinu, and I stress, Moshe Rabbeinu, and not B'Tzalel, and not the Jewish people, how Moshe Rabbeinu took all these things, which were brought to him, and he put them up together, and he came et HaMishkan. So Bayakel is about the building of the elements of the Mishkan, and Pekude is about erecting the Mishkan itself. Which only repeats the question now, so it's not that there are two sections of the Torah. One is the command and two is the fulfillment. But there's the command and there's the fulfillment of the individual commands and there's the putting it all together on a separate list and a separate description which basically repeats again the same steps uh, but in the context of putting it all together, which is found in Pekude. Truth is, we look at Pekude, we realize that there aren't altogether three lists, there are four lists. In fact, there are five lists. Um, the beginning of Pekude lists uh, at length the construction by B'Tzalel and all the Av and all the other uh, artisans of the different articles. That's Perk Lamidchet, Perk Lamitet, at length. Very, very long section. And then, when all that is finished, Perk Lamitet, Pasuk Lamidbet, Vateichel Kol Avodat Mishkan Oel Moed, and all the work of the Mishkan was completed. They did every single thing they had to do. Now you have a section which describes not in one Pasuk, but again, not quite as long as it could have been, but nonetheless, with extreme detail, the bringing of these things to Moshe. Pasuk Lamed Gimel. Perek Lamed Pasuk Lamed Gimel. Vayaviu et HaMishkan El Moshe. The people, the, the artisans, everyone who was involved in the work, then brought all those things to Moshe. Et ha-ohel, v'et kokelav, kerasav, kerashav, berihav, va'amudav, va'adanav, v'et mechseyarot ha'idem ha'mu'adamim, v'et mechseyarot ha'tachashim, v'et parochet ha'masach, et ha'ron ha'idot, v'et badav, et ha'kaporet, et ha'shulchan, et kokelav, et lechem ha'panim, et ha'menorah ha'torah, et nerotea nerot ha'marachah, et kokeleha, ואת שמן המאור, ואת מזבח הזהב, ואת שמן המשחה, ואת כלות הסמים, ואת מסך פתח האוהל, את מזבח הנחושת, את מכבר הנחושת השלו, את בדיו, את קוקליו, את הכיור, ואת קנו, את קלי החצר, את עמודיה, את אדניה, את מסך לשער החצר, את מיתרה ויתידותיה, ואת קוקלי עבודת משכנו ומועד, את בגדי השרד השרית בקודש, את בגדי הקודש לארון הכהן. 
ואת בגדי בניו לכהן. ככל אשר ציווה אדוני את משה כעשו בני ישראל את כל העבודה. So you have here ten פסוקים, which list every single one of those individual items which had just been described, how they were put, how they were created, how they were uh, designed in the previous two chapters, and there was, we had read about how they're supposed to be designed, how they were commanded to be, to be manufactured in the, in the earlier, in the earlier parashiyot. You're probably wondering why I read it so, so I, I, I read all the psukim. Couldn't I just have said, there's a whole section here of ten psukim where the Jews brought to Moshe all the kalim listed individually. Yeah, I, I read it that way so that you wouldn't miss my point. I suspect also that by the time you get to reading Pekud, they were not exactly listening 100% and paying attention to the, to the list. The Torah lists every single individual item, they brought to Moshe the Ohel ve'et kol kelav, they brought Omoed and everything in it, and in case you missed the point, that's Klasav, Klasav, Bichah, B'mudah, B'danav, Mechseh, Orot Chashim, Aron Abrit, HaShulchan, HaMenorah, Ve'et kol kelav, Mezbach HaZahav, Mezbach HaNachoshet, Kedai HaChatzer, Meitarah B'yitidotah, Ve'et Glei HaSrad, again, an entire detailed list, now not about the the, the command, and not about the creation, but about the bringing. They brought to Moshe Rabbeinu not a whole complex, but A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, S, M, N, M, P. Why? Why is this being described so detailed? Now, let me just skip a little bit ahead. What happens afterwards? As we said, Moshe Rabbeinu now is going to put it all together. You have a command. God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, put it all together on the first day of the first month. And what should you do? Detailed instructions, which basically just consist of doing what had to be done. What should you do? I'm now reading Perek Mem. Pasuk. Pasuk Gimel. V'samta sham et Aron ha'idut. V'sakot Aron ha'taparochet. V'beit ha'tashulchan. V'natat ha'mizbach ha'zahav. V'natat ha'mizbach ha'olah. ונתת את הכיור, ושמת את החצר, ולקחת שמן המשחה, ושחת את המזבח, ושחת את הכיור, והקרבת את הארון, והלבשת את הארון את בגדיו, ואת בניו תקריב, משחת גם אותם. After that, God is commanding, do all these, how many פסוקים do we have here? 14, 15 פסוקים. One, two, three, four, fifteen psukim. When that's completed, then says that Moshe Rabbeinu, guess what? He did it. He didn't do everything he was told. He did it one after the other. How does that take place? How did Moshe Rabbeinu establish, erect the Mishkan on the first day of the, of the first month of the second year? between פסוקים, beginning in פסוק י"ז, till Pasuk Lamed Gimel. Another fourteen, another seventeen psukim. 
Moshe Rabbeinu did A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. Longer or shorter, but nonetheless detailed lists of what needed to be done, what was done, what was delivered, what should be done to put it all together, and putting it all together, you have five times the same thing. What's the point? What would be missing if we didn't have these detailed lists? I think the answer is first of all found in the middle when the totally unnecessary list of what was brought to Moshe Rabbeinu. I say totally unnecessary because telling you to do it and then saying you did it exactly like you were told is uh, some mean of interest. But bringing it to Moshe Rabbeinu, it, it wasn't 15 different actions. They just brought it all. And so the answer is found in the Pasuk itself. Here's what it says. I'm reading Perek Lametet, Pasuk, our first read Pasuk Mem Aleph, which is the last Pasuk Mem Bet, which is the, which is the end of the, of the bringing. Pasuk Mem Aleph is the last thing they brought. Bidei HaSchad HaSharit BaKodesh, Bidei HaKodesh Aronu Vanav, Bidei Banav Zachayin, they brought the uh, garments of Aaron and his children. And then Pasuk Mem Bet, Kachol Asher Tziva Adonai Et Moshe, you have a summation pasuk that said that says everything they were told to do, that's what they did. Even though a similar pasuk appeared at the end of the actual construction of the individual kedem. Pasuk lamed bet vatechel kol avodat mishkan ol noeg when it was always finished by yasu bnei yisak chol shetzivashem et moshe kenasu and bnei yisak did everything that God had commanded Moses, so they had done. And here it says, again, after they bring it all, Kechol asher tzivad v'shem et Moshe kein asu b'nei sal et kol ha'avoda Pesuk mem gemur Vayar Moshe et kol ha'melacha v'inei asu ota kashir tzivad v'shem kein asu v'yavarech ota Moshe And Moshe Rabbeinu saw all the work that had been done. And behold, v'hinei they had done it as God had commanded so they had done it when you read this, this Pasuk is a summation to a summation. The Torah says they had done everything that needed to be done, and then the Torah says, and Moshe Rabbeinu saw that they had done everything that needed to be done. What, 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 what's taking place here? To me it seems obvious that it's not so much, or at least at this point, it's not to emphasize to us that the Jews were wonderful, that they worked hard, that they worked enthusiastically, that they, that they literally you know, devoted themselves to this work over the time that it took to take place. But the emphasis is on that it was done exactly, without a flaw, without an omission, as they had been commanded by God. Now the truth is, you should have picked this up earlier. Because when it's describing everything they're doing, every couple of the psukim, not every pasuk, but basically every single section ends with kashir tziva shemet Moshe. They did what they did throughout paraklamet and lametet. They did what they did as they were commanded. But here, here you have it in a manner which I think emphasizes how crucially important that it be exactly done right. First of all, because God says so. As God had commanded Moshe, that is what the Jews did. 
But then Moshe has a checklist. I mean, repeat the Pasuk again. Moshe saw that they had done everything as God had commanded, thus they had done. We had this a couple of weeks ago, the beginning of Truma, where it said, you should, uh, you should make me a Mikdash as you are shown in the plans. And Rashi said, why does it say you should do it? Thus should you do it. And Rashi gave an answer. There he said you should do it again a second time. Sure, the Baban said there that, no, 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 it's just a, it's just, it's just emphasis. Because he, he didn't like Rashi's answer. So it means you should do it exactly, you should do it this way, so should you do it. In this case, the Baban is basically right, but, but, it's not twice, it's really three times here. And I think when you have the three times here, I'll explain what I mean in a second, you literally see Moshe Rabbeinu holding a checklist. Vayar Moshe, not that the Torah says they did everything right, but Moshe saw, what does it mean he saw? He examined. How did he know that it was exactly the way they were told to have done it? Moshe sat there with a checklist. Vayar Moshe et kolam lacha, v'hinei asu I, I think the Pasuk is literally describing Moshe Rabbeinu is going over a list of everything they did. And they did it. He has another column. God's commands. And he's doing. They did every Melacha just the way God said to do it. What's Kenasu? That's the V. That's the check mark that you make after you've compared it. He checked the first column, checked the second column, line by line, and said to himself, It was done right. Moshe Rabbeinu is not accepting the Mishkan which they had brought him, the utensils, the parts of the Mishkan, the items of the Mishkan which they had brought him. He's not accepting it only after he's gone over his checklist and put a check on each line. Vayam Moshe, Moshe, Checked everything they had done. And behold, it exactly matched that which God had commanded. Ishur. Check. Okay, next line. And then it says, At that point, because now, it's in the middle of the Pasha, but this is finishing the Bnei Yisrael part. Now it's going to be Moshe Rabbeinu by himself. That's how it's described. He's going to put together the Mishkan. You'll say, okay, Moshe gave him a brach. He said, Yashkoyach. Rashi brings the Gemara. He said to them, He said to them, the bracha that he gave them, the blessing was, it should be his will, the will of God, that he should um, place his shechina, his presence, he should rest his presence, the presence of God, in the fruit of your, of your, of your labors. And then he quotes a pasuk in Tilip, and that, uh, the person who wrote Tilip, in that case it's Moshe Rabbeinu, it's one of the Mizmorim that are ascribed to Moshe, and that the pleasantness of God should be on us and our the work of our hands should be effective. And I think here you have the really the, the, the secret of what's going on here. 
in in previous discussions, last week and two weeks ago, uh, or three weeks ago, so I presented a theory, which I think is a a, a basic precept of of of, of Yiddishkeit, that. The presence of God in the world, Shechina ba'olam, is in the actions of people. Human effort is where the presence of God is found. Work on building me a Mishkan, and I will be in your midst. And I discussed this in Parshat Tumah, I discussed it also in Parshat Tetzaveh. In Pashat Kitisa, when talking about Shabbat and the Mishkan. What the Psukim here is saying, and the last Pasuk really emphasizes, is that it's not automatic. And this is a crucial point. Because there is a basic, I think, human psychological understanding which many people have shared. Many serious people have shared. I think any serious person understands it. That Things which come without effort are really not a very good value. But human effort, human striving, that's a value in and of itself. When we see people striving to do something, dedicating themselves, so we don't even have to check the outcome. That is the outcome. The Shekhinah is not, I'm now talking religious Hebrew, the Shekhinah is not in the house they created, but in their creating the house. And that's not that astonishing a comment if you don't use the word Shekhinah. If you just say, human beings achieve great value because they're busy doing things, because they're climbing mountains, because they're building buildings. And, 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 and to rest on your laurels by the beach and, and take it in, it might make you happy, but there's no real... It's not positive. There's nothing there. And a lot of us feel that. And all kinds of cultures feel it. I think every culture feels it. It expresses it. But Yiddishkeit says, and by using the words, V'shachanti betocham, it says that that theory is correct. It's even more correct than you think. You're creating infinite value that way. The value in Maseyadeinu is Shekhinah, is Hashem, is God. It's not a human value. And that's something which is very hard to perceive. I, I can tell I'm doing something, but the conclusion I'm led to believe is that... We human beings can produce value. That's what I feel, and frankly, that's what I said three weeks ago. Human striving creates the presence of God in the world, creates value. So here the Torah is saying something that is both more, but comes with a condition. You're not creating value, you're creating Shekhinah in the world. You are, we are, the builders of the Mishkan are, the receptacle of the Shekhinah. They're the chariot of the Shekhinah. Merkava the Shekhinah, the expression of Chazal. The chariot on which God rides. That is what? Tzadikim Merkava the Shekhinah. The actions of people. That's where God really resides. And, but because it's God, then it can't be the equivalent, merely the equivalent of your actions. Because it's God, it's not you. There's a paradox here. If it was only God, it would eliminate us. It would mean that in, in the heavens, God is present in the heavens. And if God came down into the earth on his own, 
uh, there'd be no receptacle for it. So it would either obliterate the world or, or it, wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't exist in the world. So you need human actions. On the other hand, human actions, in the end, are only human. So uh, there's a theory. Okay, human actions that aspire to God, that climb towards God, are perfecting and therefore reflecting perfection. But in the end, I insist on saying, the Torah insists on saying, that God is found in that. And therefore, it's true. The, the, the energy, the engine, is what human beings are doing. But it's not automatic. If it was automatic, logically, human actions are equivalent to human actions. For human actions to be equivalent to the presence of God, it has to be done kasher tziva Hashem et Moshe, kasher tziva Hashem, down to the very last detail. And that's why Moshe Rabbeinu says, after he's checked his detailed list and put a check next to every line, vayivarech otam Moshe, yehi ratzon. It's a prayer. Halavai, yehi ratzon. May it be his will that his shechina should be present in the actions of your hands. It's not guaranteed. God has to agree that our actions will reflect His Shekhinah. Therefore, you need a prayer, you need a bracha. But most of all, the prayer and bracha can only be said is if we've actually hitched our wagons to the star, to, to God Himself. If a person wanted to do something wonderful, it wouldn't be Shechina. If he wants to do something which reflects the infinite wisdom of God and the infinite will of God, and he's carrying it out because he accepts that God's will is his will, he feels commanded, kasher tziva, kasher tziva, kasher tziva. And why is so important? Sometimes we, we rebel against only doing things because you're told to do it. It's because you want to do it, 100%. But the point is here that it doesn't come from within. It's I'm subjecting myself, I'm dedicating myself, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, uh, obligating myself, I'm committing myself to something which is not only external, but it's infinitely external. It's infinitely valuable. It, it's really found in the heavens. It's, it's, it's God. It's above the world and beyond the world and before the world and after the world. And I accept that as my job in this world. And then of course... I don't move one millimeter, one, mil- one millimeter, one inch from what God has commanded. And Moshe Rabbeinu was nervous. So on the one hand, the whole parish is based on this, telling you that they did not everything. They did every single thing. Each one was done individually. Why did they, why did they make an Aron? Not because God said, made a Mishkan. They made an Aron because God said, make an Aron. And why did they make a shulchan? Not because God said, a mish- said make a mishkan. We did a ma- made a shulchan because God said made a shulchan. And therefore they made a shulchan. And then Moshe Rabbeinu has to check it out. Because if there's anything missing there, then there's a danger that you've done wonderful things, but you haven't reflected God's presence in the world. Because you've done it on your own that it should be a reflection of the infinite in our world and therefore it should have the same value. It should be an expression 
of God's actual presence in the world, then you have to anchor yourself at every single moment in that connection to the infinite God and not be anchored in whatever value human beings have in them the world. I'm not saying something here against humanism. The value of a human being is that he's Tzedem Elohim. But that's something which is very easy to miss. Human beings have real value and they can do real things and produce infinite value and infinite worth because they are themselves a reflection of God, Tzedem Elohim. And therefore, in terms of what they're doing, they're doing because they feel or hear or actually have heard, B'nivua in this case. And today, maybe you don't have to have a written requirement, but you're doing it because you know that's what God wants. And if that's true, and that's your commitment, that's, your, that, that's what you do in this life, then it'll work. And therefore, we need God's participation. Yehi Ratzon, and that's what took place over here. Therefore, having said that to the Jews and told them, because the, the real receptacle is the Jewish people itself, not any individual tzaddik, but now Moshe Rabbeinu is going to put together the Mishkan by himself. So here, God tells them what to do. I'm skipping to the actual doing. Here, there's not a single Pasuk without the words, Kasher Tziva Hashem et Moshe. Starting from Pasuk Yud Chet, Vayakem Moshe et HaMishkan, Vayiten et Adunah, Vayasem et Krasha, Vayiten et Bricha, Vayakem et Amudav, Pasuk Yutet, Vayifros et HaOr Adana Mishkan, Vayasem et Chsa'or Adana Mishkan, Kasher Tziva Hashem et Moshe. Then, every other Pasuk. And then, he takes the Abana Eidot, and he puts it together, and he brings the Aron, and he puts it where has to be put it. Kasher tziva Hashem et Moshe. Then he brings the Shulchan. And he sets it up. Two psukim. He puts the Lechem upon at Kasher tziva Hashem et Moshe. He brings the Menorah. And it has a Neirot on it. The candles. Kasher tziva Hashem et Moshe. Vayasem Mizbech HaZahab Oran Moed Ifnei HaParochet Vekhtad HaRakatot HaSamim He made the Mizbech HaZahab Mizbech HaKtorot for the incense. Kasher Pasuk HaVzayin Kasher tziva Hashem et Moshe. He has a masach. And the Mizbacha Olah, the altar of sacrifice. Kasher, Sivah Hashem et Moshe. And then he puts in the Ki'or. Kasher, Sivah Hashem et Moshe. And then he finishes doing the work. Even Moshe Rabbeinu, and, and here it's emphasized even more than any other place. Moshe put together, and everything is already there. Everything is created. You have to just have to, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. You have to put them together. He's not putting them together because they fit nicely together. He's putting them together because Kasher Siva Hashem Et Moshe. That's what makes this doable. And then, because that's true. Pasuk immediately says, How do we know that you've succeeded? The picture is not that, Oh, 
There was a lot of Kedusha here. But the picture is a cloud. The cloud represents to human eyes something that's coming from the sky. The cloud descends by Yechas He'anan et Oel Mo'ed Uchvod Hashem Aleit HaMishkan and then you have a truly amazing Pasuk which Mephoshim really had trouble understanding. The long Ramban here. The glory of God descends on the Mishkan. Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't enter the Old Moed. Now we know that Moshe Rabbeinu entered the Old Moed. Every day for the next 40 years he, he was getting instructions and teaching the Jews. The very next Pasuk, not the next Pasuk, the, almost the next Pasuk, the beginning of Ayika, Vayikra, El Moshe, God told Moshe Rabbeinu to come. But the immediate there's a revolution takes place. We're working, we're working, we're, 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 we're sweating. That's all human sweat. But if you did it right, then it combines to the Shekhinah which comes from outside. And that Shekhinah is so strong that at the first second, this is the way the Ramban interprets it, for the first day, Moshe Rabbeinu had to be outside. No one could come inside the Anan. Afterwards, it worked out okay. But the immediate, it's like a revolution takes place. All of a sudden, my efforts turn into... God's presence. And then there's a rejection, a, a, a distance is created because I'm still human and God is God and God is present and, and there's a contradiction between, between those two things. So the contradiction will be resolved as long as I keep working, as long as I keep climbing. Yes, God's presence is in me, in my work, on my hands. But the first meeting between the two Pasuk emphasizes something which almost sounds negative, but it needs to be emphasized. It's real Kedusha. It's real Shechina. And therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu, at least at first, cannot enter because Uchvod Hashem Malei Et HaMishkan. The heavens have come down to the earth. In the end, what I want to say is the heavens have not come down to the earth, but they've, the earth has turned out to be a kind of heaven. But, the, but to, to remember that it's real, it's not, a ref, it's not merely a reflection. It's not a representation. It's not as though God likes you. But it's actually Shekhinah Olam. Basuk emphasizes that there's a contradiction between being Moshe and being God. And we all know, and if you wait till next the week after that, you'll see that Moshe Rabbeinu enters the Mishkan, enters the Omoyed, because God calls him to do it, and he can do it. But the immediate reaction is that if God has come here because of my masim, then I'm no longer here. If it's really true that there's Shekhinah here, then I can't be here anymore. And Moshe Rabbeinu can't possibly enter. Only afterwards, when we realize how connected the actions of a person are and the Shekhinah that's in his actions, is Moshe called, again, called by God. God invites him. There's a, an act on the part of God to say that my Shekhinah and you're creating a Mokom for Shekhinah can join together to be Shekhinah Ba'olam, Shekhinah Ba'ol Moed, and Shekhinah Ba'olam. Kol Tov Shalom.